All right, could you please go with me to Acts chapter 9 very quickly. My apologies, I didn't mean to offend anybody. This is just, okay, we're just having fun. Acts chapter 9, okay, it's verses 10 through 19. Okay, and due to the time, I'm not going to read it, but I'm going to tell you the story. Saul is leading the believers to jail. And he has a personal encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ. He falls on the ground. He becomes a blind man. And Jesus appears to him in a dream and says, A man is going to come named Ananias and he will pray for you. And you're going to be healed. And then he appears to Ananias and said, Ananias, I want you to go to Saul and lay hands on him and pray for him. He argues with uh, Jesus and says, haven't you known about this man and all of the harm that he had done for your saints? And you want me to go and lay hands on him and pray for him? And Jesus explains to him, yes, I have some plans for him. I'm going to use him and I'm going to show him how much he must suffer for my name's sake. He goes, he, he sees him. He calls him Brother Saul. He lays hands on him and he's healed immediately and he is released into the ministry. See, all of my life, Paul had been my hero. I mean, how could you not have him as your hero? He wrote more than half of the New Testament. He stood before kings. He declared the word of God. But now the more I read about this man named Ananias, Ananias had become to be my hero. And this is not the same Ananias who had sold his home and came to the 12 and lied about it. This is a different Ananias. Let me share with you four points very quickly. It's why I consider him to be my hero. One, he's a perfect example of how God loves to use the no-names. God loves to use the nobodies. You see, we don't know that much about him. All we know is that okay, 10 of the verses in Acts that, that they talk about him. His name is mentioned five times only. We don't know how tall, how short, if he had hair, if he didn't have hair, if he was married, or if he was not, if he had kids. We don't know even his, his education. We don't know that much about him. He comes across as a common foot soldier in the army of God. His name in Hebrew is Hananiah, which means God has been gracious. And this morning I declare that God had been so gracious to look at you and me and to choose us to serve him. Just like he did with Ananias. God has been gracious. That's That's the meaning of his name. He comes across as a common foot soldier in the army of God. You don't read that that much about him. Actually, if you have been going to the church for so many years, I bet you, you've never heard a message on this Ananias. He comes to the scene and he's gone very quickly. But here is the deal. The God of the universe, the mighty God, knows Ananias by name. 
and he calls him by name. And I want you to know this morning that God knows you by name. He's calling your name this morning. I have a task for you. I have a soul that I want you to go and to pray for. But Lord, I mean, I'm not the speaker. I'm not the pastor. I'm not the preacher. I'm not the worship leader. I don't have the talents. And God says, you know what? Do you know how to pray? That's all. All it took. You're overqualified. Sometimes we come to the church and we just think, I am just one in the crowd. Nobody sees me. Nobody is going to even think that there is a role for me in the church. Well, I am here to tell you this morning, you may think that you are one in the crowd. But to the Lord, you're the only one in the crowd. He's got a mission for you. He had created you for a higher purpose. He, he looks at the no-names. You see, we look at the appearance. We look at the skills. We look at the talents. We look at those who seem to have it all together. And God says, that's not what I look for. I look for a faithful heart. You have come into the kingdom for such a time as this. Whom shall I send and who will go for us? We try to use every excuse possible. Do not be released into the calling that he has for you and me. But I am here to tell you this morning, if we're not obedient to him, he would move beyond us. Well, you know, some of us say, I'm, I'm getting too old. I mean, I had a meal uh, last night with an 81-year-old man, but he had the youthfulness of a teenager. I am retired. Well, in the kingdom of God, there is no retirement. There is refirement. Have no, no excuse. The second thing, very quickly, Ananias understood that he will be persecuted. Now, so, okay, so let's be on the same page here. Okay, so we read in Acts 7 and 8. Saul was in wholehearted agreement with the, okay, with the stoning off. In fact, he was there at the scene. And the guys who were doing the stoning, they had their coats on. And it hindered them from the free okay, it's movement of the stoning. So they took their coats off and they handed it to a young man named Saul. He was a participant in the stoning of Stephen's. Okay, and then we go on to, to read in Acts 8, um, okay, okay, 3. As for Saul, he made havoc of the church, entering into every house and hauling men and women to jail. Saul was on a mission to wipe out Christianity. Saul was the ISIS of his day. He was. He had a plan. He had wanted to take to jail and maybe to their murder as many of the believers as he could. In fact, it was not enough to persecute them in his hometown in Jerusalem. 
he walked 150 miles to the north to Damascus because of the hatred that he had for the Lord Jesus Christ. The persecution. You, need, you see, okay, some people, they're going to go to a great extent to persecute you because of him. He did that. He walked for an entire week to continue the persecution of the church. He came to the city with a list. Possibly Ananias' name was on that list. He came to persecute the church. He came to holler them and take them to jail. Now, you know, Jesus had made it so clear. Everyone will hate you for my namesake. No wonder you turn on the TV nowadays and the hatred that it's coming out for the Christians and for the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, it is amazing to me. If you look, 11 of the 12, they were killed for the sake of the gospel. And Jesus had made it so clear. If the world hates you, know that it hated me before it hated you. Okay, in fact, it was around the year 67 AD. Nero so much hated the church. That he would bring the believers in and he would ask them to leave their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And when they said absolutely not, he would tie them to the tree. And he would set them on fire so that they will be, you know, candles for the parties that he, he would have. If they had kids, he would, ask, he, he would bring their babies and he would ask them to leave their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And when they said no, he, he would wrap their babies in a fur of a lamb and he would throw it in the lion's den in the front of the parents. That is persecution. It was about two and a half years ago. Okay, 21 Egyptians, Christians, they... They lived in a very poor area of, of Egypt. And they needed the financial help to support their family. So they traveled to work in Libya. They had been there for a few weeks. And they felt a little bit uncomfortable. They felt that they were being watched. So they made an agreement with a driver to take them to the border of Egypt so that they could go back to Egypt. Well... The driver, instead of taking them to the borders, he took them to ISIS. Two, three days after that, the men from ISIS came to the house where these guys used to live in the middle of the night, and they took 14 more of the Christians. And they had them for a few weeks. And then they began to say, we're going to kill them. I don't know if you guys have seen the video. It was the most gr gruesome thing I have ever seen. The slaughtering almost like cows. And we were just moved to the core. So I just ha had a post to help the families. We raised more than $80,000. Then we had a major event where we invited the families to honor the memory 
of those who were killed. We invited the governor of the state where they came from in Egypt, the head of the Catholics and the head of the Coptics, the head of the uh, evangelicals, as well as the head of the Muslims. And it was a major deal to honor the memory. However, I had a one hour with the family before the, 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 the party. And I began to talk with them. I wanted to encourage them. One family in particular, they've lost two sons. We've got a picture of them. Cape Shoy, he was only, you know, 25. Samuel, okay, 23. In fact, we do have another picture of them as they were being killed. We met with a brother um, of them. Okay, could we move to the picture after it? His name is Cape Shoy, and we began to talk. And I said, I want to hear from you. How do you feel about all that had occurred? And what I was about to hear, it shocked me to the core. The young man began to say to me, I thank God for ISIS. I said, they killed your brothers. And you're saying, you thank God for them? He said, yes, they increased our faith. How so? He said, have you seen the video? I said, yes, I have. He says, have you heard my brothers at the end of the video as they were being killed? Yes, I did. They were calling, Jesus, we have no other Savior other than you. You are our Savior. He said, that increased our faith. He doesn't have hatred. Okay, then I began to ask him, how does your mom feel about all of this? He says, it's funny that you ask. I was just talking to her, and I asked her, how would you feel if they came and knocked at your door? If the people who killed your boys came and knocked at your door, and this is a woman who's not educated. She comes from a culture where an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. He said that she said, I will open the door for them, invite them in, offer them tea, and then... I will pray for them so that they will come to know the true God. And after that, I will thank them for opening the gates of heaven for my boys. I mean, I could go on and on and on with the rest of, of the families. These people, they don't have hatred toward those who persecuted them. Now, you may face a different type of the persecution here. We're not there yet. I mean, you don't have the freedom to share your faith at the job. You turn on the TV and you could see the, the attack on, on our faith by the media. The freedom that we... Gates once had to pray in the school. It is no longer there. We may not face that same type of the persecution, but we are facing a, a certain, you know, Gates uh, picture of it. Actually, when I first came to the States 29 years ago to be a Christian, it was a badge of honor. Now it's a label. But here is the catch. It is so easy to respond in the flesh to those who persecute us. But those who persecute you, they don't persecute you because of you. They persecute you because of him. 
Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Who are you, Lord? I'm not doing anything to you. Ah, it's what you do unto the least of these you have done unto me. See, in this way, we don't take it personally. They're not persecuting us. They're persecuting the Christ who's in us. I want you to think with me. Saul is hauling the believers to to jail. He falls down to the ground. He becomes a blind man. The powerful now becomes powerless. If you were one of the people whom he was hauling to jail. uh, Anybody has a knife? I mean, I want to help God. I want to get rid of this man. We would not have had half of the New Testament. We would have harmed the plan of God. Vengeance is mine, says the Lord. It is not ours. He commanded us to love those who persecute us. Even one-fifth of the human race who don't understand why do they persecute us. When you look at so many of the Muslims, they don't, they don't understand it. Yet they're misguided by Satan. We harm the plan of God by seeking our own vengeance. Okay, okay. the third thing, and I'm going to move very quickly here. If we're going to obey God, we have to let go of the suspiciousness that we have of each other. God knows we live in a culture now where we're very suspicious of each other. If anybody had the reason to have the suspiciousness, it was Ananias. He knew who Saul was. He knew the mission that he had. He knew that he was coming to even kill him. And here is the funny part. Jesus is asking him to go to the man whose everybody in the city is hiding from and come close enough to lay hands on him. Isn't that crazy? I mean, it will be almost as if God is asking you to go to the zoo and get in the lion's den and come close up to the lion and can put your hands on it. It will be almost as if God is asking you to go the leader, to the leaders of ISIS who are kidnapping Americans and just be at his house and lay hands to pray for him. Oh, the courage that it had must taken. You see, I believe that Ananias didn't go to the house where Saul was because he had confidence in the flesh or he had a machine gun under his coat or he had a knife, but he was confident that he heard a word from God. And I believe that God still speaks. When did he ask you last to do something that it would have been so crazy to anybody else to hear. Oh, I would love to have been a fly on the wall, Pastor. The day he was, he was going to pray for Saul. If he was married, can you imagine the conversation with his wife? <laughs> honey, have you gone mad? No, honey, but I feel I need it. 
Are you really sure that you heard from God? Can you, can you imagine the conversation? Can you imagine him having the conversation? Hey, hey, if I didn't come, okay, if I don't come back home, here is the phone number that you, well, I mean, I know it didn't have phones. <laughs> but here is, here is how can you get a hold of me. I mean, can you guys imagine? See, it's for me, this is so real because there are some of the places in Egypt that I walked in. I, I was not sure I was going to come out alive. When I get to heaven, I'm going to have a talk with him. I want to know what went through his head through that walk of faith. And if we're going to obey God, we have to get over the stereotypical ideas that we have of each other. We have to get over the race. We have to get over the gender. It is all about him. Let me close with this very quickly. <clears throat> the fourth the fourth thing that oh okay, okay before I go there he goes to Saul he lays hands on him and he calls him what what a moment of a transformation Saul is hearing it for the first time. You're forgiven. You're a part of the kingdom. And for Ananias himself, this is no longer an enemy. The blood of Jesus goes through his veins as, as it goes through your vein. He's now your brother. The fourth is that we have to learn to receive from each other. Ananias goes, he lays hands on him, and he's healed. And Saul is released to the ministry, and he becomes the greatest apostle ever, Paul. Now, I want you to think with me. It's when Jesus appears to Saul. I'm going to send you Ananias. Now, if I was Saul, I'm sorry, Anna who? <laughs> I need Peter to come and pray for me. I need one of the three, at least one of the twelve. Not a no-name Ananias. I'm not going to you know, receive from anybody but the senior pastor. I've been in the hospital and he didn't come to visit me. Yeah, but my associate was. No, he doesn't fill your place. I have to receive from the big guy. Okay, but this is real. This is real. Saul was a, a big man. He had, he had a position. He was connected. He could have refused to receive from Ananias. But no Ananias, no Paul. I think for some of us, we become too big, sometimes for our own good. And God is saying, hey, Step back. Learn to receive from each other. Now, let me flip the coin very quickly. How about Ananias? Lord, how could I go and pray for this man's soul? See, I believe that God created Ananias for a purpose. Everything Ananias went through, 
all of his life. It was a preparation for the moment where he encounters and prays for Saul. God created him to release Saul into the ministry. But what if he refused to do it or allowed his insecurities to control him? He would have missed the purpose that God had created him for. I don't know about you, but I don't want to miss the purpose that God has created me for. With every head is bowed very quickly. Father, Lord, I pray that we don't miss the purpose that you have created us for. Lord, it's not about us. It's not about the persecution that we go through. It's about you. And it's about your name alone. Lord, it's not about our name. We don't care about our name. We care only to exalt your holy name. Father, I pray for the spirit of of Ananias to fall on every person here this morning. Lord, that even as we leave the church, Lord, that we would, Lord, pray for people release them into the ministries that you have for them. We commit our lives to you. May you use us, O God, as you have created us to be. In the precious name of Jesus, we pray. And all of God's people said, amen. (laughs) Wow. Come on, can we give the Lord thanks and tell Dr. Samuel we're so glad. I need, our, I need ushers to be ready quickly because some of your friends are looking forward to coming to church and they're going to cause a commotion on us. But I, I, I want to say two things um, as you're getting ready today. Uh, we're going to send them on their way in a manner worthy of the Lord. Uh, this is going to take care of them, but it goes into their ministry. And everything you heard today is a good reason to uh, so so abundantly today to bless them. I want to encourage you to do one more thing today. Some of you have places to go and things to do. Usher's hang on just a second. We're going to pray. But, other, but some of you right now think, you know what? I need to hear that again. I, I don't ever, I've never said that. But maybe you should stick around and maybe soak in that word again. Maybe you should call somebody and say, you know what? I think you, you might, it might help you to hear this this morning someone a text message or a call and they got time they don't have to be here early but let's let's let the word of God this is again this is a word about a subject that is universal from a region that is unique and a message that is powerful and specific for us today poignant now father in Jesus name we prepare these these acts of of love these seeds Lord this morning to sow into your your house, your kingdom, your ministers. Lord, to the work of the poor in Mexico and Egypt, the raising up of leaders in Mexico and in Egypt, reaching out, Lord, to the massive population of the earth that don't don't know your real nature. Help us to be your nature to them today. In Jesus' name.